Now a stretch on the left, a shot, kick down, kick safe, and a beauty from Hill. Somehow Veneers got through unmarked. Now a loose puck, sliding save by Hill. What a combo! Aiden Hill flashing all over. Nobody is ever satisfied with one, so we're back for a second hour of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Oh, and a loose puck, it goes into the goal. The Knights have made it 2-0. Jonathan Marcheseau, Johnny on the spot. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studio and live at lvsportsnetwork.com, here is Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. From Studio 31, Darren Millard getting set for the pregame show on Script Sports and out at T-Mobile Arena on hand for the pregame show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. It's uh, Ryan Wallace as we have the Vegas Golden Knights covered for you from tip to toe on this one. And uh, the Los Angeles Kings arrived tonight with seven wins on the season in the uh, 11 games played. And they have points in nine of them. They are unbelievable on the road getting it done against a Golden Knights uh, club that is tops in the National Hockey League coming off its first regulation defeat. But it does set up a uh, primary Pacific Division battle. It It isn't a game for first place, but it does alter the how you look at things in this division. Yeah, as we mentioned, for the Golden Knights, a win tonight, uh, it puts you nine points clear of L.A. early on in the season. And from the Los Angeles Kings' perspective, uh, you win in regulation. You get to within five points. You have the ability here uh, in this spot with a couple of games in hand to feel like you, to, to essentially be just one point back. So Cam Talbot of the Los Angeles Kings has uh, taken over as the number one guy, and he was brought in to do so. I don't know how much people expected the split to be lopsided in favor of Talbot, but uh, he's a veteran guy. He's been around in a couple of uh, different situations, and Phoenix Copley uh, is uh, a player that uh, played his way into the organization's uh, mindset last year coming up from Ontario and taking over when Cal Peterson had difficulty. But it was going to be, if not a... A 60-40 split uh, for Cam Talbot uh, over Copley. It was going to be more than that. And uh, that's the way that uh, it's really uh, set up so far this year. Uh, Copley struggled with just a win in two decisions. And all uh, signs point to Cam Talbot continuing his uh, his strong play and his workload with a record of 6-2-1. and one. Here's the tie-in with the Vegas Golden Knights. Cam Talbot has the second best record when it comes to most shutouts with different teams he has shutouts with six different clubs okay is that not unbelievable that's yeah, wild the, the guys bounced around but he's a good goaltender uh, got to start with the new york rangers and then parlayed that into a, a Great opportunity with the Edmonton Oilers uh, and the Calgary Flames, one of the rare, uh, although Mike Smith has done it recently, to play for both Alberta teams. Mm -hmm. Then was in Minnesota uh, last year with the Ottawa Senators after uh, he was the casualty of the acquisition of Marc-Andre Fleury there uh, and and now has landed with the Los Angeles Kings. So Cam Talbot has shutouts for six different clubs. The record is seven. Mm Mm-hmm held by Sean Burke. Oh, wow. Of your Vegas Golden Knights, <laughs> uh, director of goaltending with That's the Vegas unreal. Golden Knights. And you, you think of, like, when I say Sean Burke, who do you think of? Which which team? I uh, I go Hartford. Yeah, I, I, I Arizona's guess Arizona's in there. Yeah. It's it's probably Hartford. You're right. Yeah. New uh, Jersey for me. 
New, New Jersey, broke in with New Jersey off the Canadian Olympic team. Uh, that, that, that's a good pull. Uh, but he, he had several really good stops uh, in, in the National Hockey League and has the NHL record for most shutouts with the most number of or most uh, teams with a shutout with with seven uh, perfect games uh, or with different teams uh, unbelievable for for Sean Burke so there I uh, just thought I'd throw that uh, at you tonight the Golden Knights uh, 12 game season opening point streak came to an end with a 4-2 loss at Anaheim do you think it uh, do you think it makes a difference whether you lose badly or whether you lose closely in a tightly fought game, or you lose in somewhat dramatic fashion that that Vegas uh, fell uh, with the four goals the other night in the third period for Anaheim. Do you, do you think it bothers the players any more, given the different ways that could possibly uh, jump up on you? I think I think a blowout bothers the players mo- most. It, it, even that, even if that might be like the easiest one to kind of bounce back from. I think with this Golden Knights team and and their desire to be competitive in in every game every single night, um, if you're looking at you know five two or six two something like that, uh, I think that that would bother the players quite a bit. I was going to go the opposite. Really? That it would it would bother the players that they were close and they let it slip away and the streak ends on something that maybe with a play here or a bounce there, you might be able to to get by it and the loss a blowout loss as well it just wasn't our night and, and away we go and go around that i i, I was just curious uh, and there's no scientific uh, uh reasoning for that there's no x and o's and how it's gonna uh, spill over into tonight or impact the game tonight it was more just a, a personal uh opinion uh side of it on what would bother you you most uh on on that side of it chapman where where are you in that i'm sorry what was that no, I was talking to, to, to Bobby in the studio. I, That's I, all right. Uh, we'll get back. Let's let's get into Bruce Cassidy now. Uh, his media availability today, uh, which centered around uh, some players being out on the ice, uh, including Zach Whitecloud, who is at, at practice, and then the availability of uh, the likes of Chandler Stevenson, who was not at practice. Here's Bruce. Uh, see Chandler out there. He's out tonight, and, and he won't play on um, Friday. So we've ruled him out for the next two games. Hopefully a little uh, a rest will um, do him some good and we'll, we'll get him back on the road trip. But we're going to rule him out for these two and, and go from there. That upper lower? It's an upper body sustained against Colorado, played through it the other night, but uh, has aggravated a little bit. So uh, that's all I know for now. And uh, we'll miss him, obviously. We're going to move Michael Amadio into center. Called up Ronnie to play left wing, and we'll see how that plays out. The lines will be as they, you know, we're, we're out this morning. And... We'll go from there. Amos played some center in the past. Um, it is a right stick on draws if he's able to have some success, which we've missed with, with Nick Wild. So we'll see how he does. He's played with Stoney in the past. They've had good chemistry. He was, he was a winger with him with Stevie last year. So that was the thinking behind it. And we'll, we'll adjust as we go. What do you like about having Carrier on that line too with so well, he's a driver. He goes to the net. He's pretty simple in his game. He's a good forechecker to create some loose pucks. I think that's what Howden did best for that line. Very similar. Forecheck presence, good F1, create some loose pucks. I think Stoney's one of the better guys at anticipating where the puck's going to go next uh, and, and, and actually taking it away. Um, 
and that's what we need out of that line in an F1. Paul's a little more rush-oriented. He's getting better on the four-check. He's very, very physical. I think he might lead the lead and hits, or if not, he's up there. So he's done a good job on that. So whoever going in in that role, that's what we'd like. And Will can certainly do that. Um, so we're giving him a ride up there, especially with Nick Wild. We've lost some of that fourth line anyway, so we're, we're just looking at different ways to, to balance our lineup. And I think Ronnie's best spot is down with Coley and, and if it's Howie or Nick. So it's an opportunity for somebody to move up and we just happen to put uh, Will there. Uh, he's getting there. He's a normal sweater today. He's not in tonight. Um, I wouldn't rule him out for any games going forward because now he's back in the mix. I'm not saying he's in, but he's very close. Uh, I know that he was scheduled to travel with us, so could he go in sooner, which is only one other game before we travel is Friday. Um, I don't know the answer to that, but uh, we're not ruling anything out now that he's back in with the group. Yesterday you said how easy it's going to be to get up for tonight's game. You guys echoed that in the locker room today about how excited for what should be a playoff play. Yeah, listen, the, the LA's playing great. They're 6-0 on the road. Um, we just went up there, had a tight game, and we got it in the shootout, could have went either way. Uh, we know that they're, they have good balance like us. They're not relying on one player, two players. Good team defense. They play a little different system. We've got to make sure we manage pucks, getting the saves from their goalie. So just like us, I, 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 I see teams that have some similar attributes, and those are the games you want to play in, right? And, and they're right behind us in the standings. It's early to worry about that, but it is a fact. And um, they're a good hockey club. Something about that system that makes them go on the road. Well, I think you're always trying to do more at home, make a few more plays, and, and when they get into their five guys all back, you got to be very careful what you do with the puck. I'm not saying you can't make plays, but you got to make them at the appropriate time and in the right areas against them. Um, you don't see it every day, so I think players, as coaches, you put it up on the, the screen, and, and here's what they're going to do, and then they got to live it. And sometimes by the time you live it, it's 2 nothing because they've transitioned on you. So they're in our division, so we should have a leg up in that regard in, in recognizing it. Um, and, you know, it's our job now to make sure we drill down on, make sure we're managing the puck. And I saw it up there last time, you know, we weren't as good early, we got, got to it later, and I think there's ways you can attack them, and we just got to find the right way. Um, but would it help more on the road? Yes, I think if, if players go in with the mindset, you know, I want to entertain the crowd and make plays, and as opposed to just playing the right way and then forcing them to open up a bit, then the plays maybe are, are there for you, so you can still make them, just maybe not right away. Yeah, I mean, I think it starts when their line's really on, they do things from the boards to the middle, and you're seeing more board battles one and Jack's coming underneath. He's really good at supporting the puck and coming with speed at the right time. And that's when the line's on the wall, whether it's Barbie on the wall or a D making a play up to them. And they're doing a better job with that, being connected and coming out of their ends. All of a sudden the attacks start, right? And that's when they're, um, I think Jack between the blue lines is as good as anybody in this league once he has a head of steam. We saw it even the other night with a guy on his back, you know, he, he kind of is strong enough to, to, to um, um, absorb and skate away from contact and he's fast enough to separate from the, the the reloads behind him so that's when they're at their best and they're starting to do a better job with that and then it's a matter of finishing which i believe they always will eventually get to especially off the rush you're, you're starting to see what jack scored a colorado the play to barbie the other night and they, they made a few other plays that didn't go in but they're getting their looks because of it's starting in our end and they're doing a, a, a better job there um and then like i said 
get through the through the neutral zone has never been an issue when they have their speed. It's just getting the puck in the right spot to get through there, and that's what's clicking. The vaunted one three one. It always seems to uh, become a conversation against the Los Angeles Kings, and it's a system that is difficult to get through. And where where it causes challenges for teams is not just finding ways to navigate the neutral zone, but if you're stubborn against the 1-3-1, one, one, that's where you have one four-checker, three guys lined up across the red line, and then basically a one more skater who's 10 feet inside the L.A. King zone, and you, you twist and you turn and you you read the play and you're trying to cut off the, the lanes for the, for the opposition. If you're stubborn in how you handle the puck, uh, if you're Vegas tonight, what that leads to is not just uh, having trouble generating offense, but it leads to turnovers. And if you're all going one way and they're lined up and they stop it, they're going the other with numbers. And it leads to transition opportunities for the Los Angeles Kings. And that's not something that Vegas gives up a lot of. And it can be problematic uh, for, for the opposition if they're able to convert on those. And so if you're, if you're watching tonight and you don't see a lot of odd man rushes, uh, or transition-type offense from the Los Angeles Kings, that's a great sign that Vegas is either dumping the puck in, which is a great strategy against the 1-3-1 and getting on your horse and doing the forecheck, or you're able to, with grid puck movement from your blue liners to your forwards, you're able to uh, get up there into the neutral ice before L.A. has had an opportunity to set up the 1-3-1 and you can gain uh, the King zone with with puck possession yeah and for the golden knights they've been able to do both of those things throughout the majority of this season right like they've been able to uh, get pucks behind defenses and, and utilize their forecheck they've been able to uh, but this get, is different like the one it, three one causes it, it, the neutral zone is just if you're stubborn not dumping it in because they love to make plays they love to make plays. If you're stubborn with it, which we've seen in the past, and Bruce has called them out, it can turn on you in a real hurry. It it really can. And and what I was what I was trying to get to is that we we have seen the Golden Knights be a, 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 in tune with what the game plan needs to be, whether that is dumping pucks in and forechecking, whether or not that's trying to to catch a team through the middle of the ice when when there's openings there. If I don't think they're going to attach attack this game from a stubborn perspective. Now, once you get into it, once you feel the energy of the crowd and understanding, you know, what the energy is going to be like in this game with these two teams, are you going to be lured into trying to make a play? It's possible it might happen, but for a Golden Knights team that has been pretty good generally speaking at defending against rush opportunities and a team that's been fairly disciplined in, in how they've managed the puck the last couple of games, I think that they're going to be in tune with what their game plan has to be against a 1-3-1. What, what is encouraging is they saw it 11 days ago they did. Uh, against Los Angeles. So And, and they're... Bruce talked about being in the same division, so you're you're more exposed to facing that type of uh, system. And there's, there's only a couple of clubs in the National Hockey League that use it, so you don't see it all the time. Even though you are, uh, uh, it is part of your pregame uh, video session, and you're reminded of it. And most of these guys have experience. Uh, it, it's just a unique situation. It requires a lot of discipline on the team that's using it, and you have to have the right personnel in, in able to in, enforce it, and Los Angeles certainly has that. But uh, but Vegas, having been through it already, and then having 
played, remember it was Vegas against Los Angeles in that last preseason game. Uh, and that's not a full obvious uh, forecast of, of what you're going to see, but uh, we're 13 games into the season, so the last 14 games, uh, this will be the third time playing the LA Kings, which I think gives you that, that little bit of familiarity really does help as opposed to going 67 games without being forced to combat the the one three one, and you think, ah, I can just stick a handle around this guy, and it's fine. You turn it over, they they're it's not just a joke. It the L A turns that puck up in transition mm-hmm. so fast. Yeah, they 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 have they have game breakers, right? They they have guys that if you give them, you know, an easy entrance into the zone, or you give them a two on one or a three on two. They've got guys that can make plays and put the puck in the back of the net. Like that's that's what the LA Kings are, are kind of built on. And you know, once you once you have a, a lead, if you're LA, it becomes really even that much more difficult to get through the the middle of the ice. So it, it'll be interesting to see how the Golden Knights approach it early on. Uh, on the uh, on the back end, uh, some encouraging signs there, uh, with uh, with hopes that Alec Martinez is able to go. Uh, I don't know whether it'll be Hutton and Pahal or, or uh, Korzak was out late today. Uh, so it doesn't point towards uh, Korzak uh, playing tonight. So uh, Hutton and and Pahal uh, being in there, isn't it uh, great to 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 see Zach Whitecloud? Like just see him around the room. Just mm-hmm. he's such a, a incredible human being, and be able to uh, chat with him a little bit and and see how he's doing and and, and see him smiling and and back into it. He hasn't played at all this year. Has yeah. yet to make uh, his season debut. Yeah, and, and again, that, that makes this record for the Golden Knights at 11-1-1 one, and one through 13 games that much more impressive because, again, we've talked about, you know, you can put the air quotes on best third pair in the league because when Nick Haig and Zach Whitecloud are healthy and playing to their level, I, I don't know that they're a tried-and-true third pair. But that all being said, you've been able to win a lot of hockey games without uh, key contributors in the lineup, Zach Whitecloud being one of them. Uh, anything else jump out at you in listening to Bruce? Uh, I mean, not anything in particular. I mean, they, obviously the idea on, you know, Jack Eichel and, and Ivan Barbashev and Jonathan Marcheseau and, and how they've been able to create offense while they are very good off the rush. He, he's, he mentioned about how they're able to, you know, get in, get in tight and make some plays off of the boards into the middle of the ice. Um, you know, you're seeing that in the neutral zone, but you also see that in the offensive zone too this is a line that that can burn you in a lot of different ways and i think you know bruce kind of alluding to that and how how dynamic they've been and how they're starting to come along i I think is really setting the stage for that line to have a big game tonight uh has been uh consistent i think Barbashev has shown some frustration in games with his physicalness Mm-hmm. If I can say that, and other teams have paid the price for that, uh, boy, is he he's like a missile out there when he gets going and somebody gets uh, under his skin or he gets a little uh, frustrated. He's, he's able to channel frustration uh, into physicality as well, without taking penalties, mm-hmm. as, as well as anybody that, that, that I've seen in, in recent time. Normally, you, you get a little bit uh, uh, ticked off or you're, you're not happy with, uh, with an opportunity that didn't go your way. Uh, you might take a retaliatory or a stick penalty or something uh, along that line, undisciplined uh, style. Uh, Barbashev, uh, he just he quietly just goes about his business. He, he does. I, I think when Ivan Barbashev is, is physical and when he is 
um, making those types of plays where he is he's hitting and, and he's making sure that you know he's out on the ice every single time he takes a shift that's when he's at his absolute best when when you know that he's on the ice and you hear those footsteps you you, you start to rush your play or, or make a make a different read so um you know Barbashev is is a physical player he's on on the line not dirty in any in any respect at all um but but certainly has been disciplined and and when when that element is in his game he's so so good we have not seen Quentin Byfield of the Los Angeles Kings play at the level that Quentin Byfield is playing at right now mm-hmm. uh top draft choice it's taken him a while to get here he's one of those uh covid uh, drafts in which development uh, was uh, was hindered uh, through the course of uh, short schedules or being in the American Hockey League. But Byfield has clicked into a, a level that is the best in his career so mm-hmm. far. He's, he's six assists over the first three games of this Kings road trip, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that is a, is a massive number. And just giving them a, a little bit more depth, uh, he's been obviously a player that, that we pay attention to, and you always, you're, you're kind of wondering when it will happen. Mm-hmm. And with players like Quinton, where he was drafted, uh, it, it does happen more often than not. We're not talking about a 50-50 uh, split here uh, with with his draft uh, pedicure uh, uh, where, where he was selected. Uh, it he, He's just – I'm excited to see him play in, in, in person tonight. Yeah, me too. I, I'm I'm really excited to see Quentin Byfield because, as you mentioned, like it, it's taken him a, a little bit of time to get to this point, right? Like, uh, but now you're you're producing at an NHL level and, and producing at a great clip. He's got 10 points in 11 games, and and he's really been um, you know a player that can get it done in and around the net. He can get it done with his feet. He can motor. He can, he can do a lot of different things. Some, there's some versatility to his game. And, and now that he's kind of coming along and the production is there for him, uh, it, it makes the Kings even that much deeper. Let's take a break. Uh, but before we do, uh, can we give somebody 50 bucks? Yeah, yeah, we can. I, I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and do that right now. A $50 gift card to BrewDog Las Vegas, a rooftop restaurant and bar with the best views of the Strip. Go to BrewDog.com slash Vegas Locals to learn more about this unique experience. But BrewDog, $50 gift card. Caller number 12, you're a winner, 702-876-1340. We'll be back with one-timers right after this on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Carlson left corner, centered, one-timer, score! It's time for One-Timers. One-timers. A quick look at news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. Let's start with a congratulations to the San Jose Sharks, who won their first game of the season last night as they upset the Philadelphia Flyers. Dreams and it was true. a game that, uh, that the Flyers actually played better than <laughs> the result but yeah. uh Mackenzie Blackwood was really good mm-hmm. in, in the San Jose goal which might be the uh weirdest thing to say given that San Jose had allowed 20 goals 10 each in the last two games well they didn't allow 20 goals la- or 10 goals last night so good for them no. yeah well done dreams come true so uh, what does that do <laughs> to San Jose Edmonton tomorrow night. 
Edmonton uh, waving Jack Campbell. Calvin Pickard has been recalled, by the way. That's the official transaction there. Uh, he last played in the National Hockey League a couple of years ago when he played three games with the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, where uh, does Is that a good thing that San Jose's won or for Edmonton, that they don't have that, oh, we can't be the first team to lose them? Or does it... Uh, does it make Edmonton wonder, oh, now they decide to turn things around and, and get their game in order? If I'm Edmonton, I'm not concerned at all about San Jose. I'm, I'm concerned more with what do we have to do to make sure that we play better so that we can win a hockey game. Um, I understand the question that you're asking, but uh, to me, it, it, it does feel like maybe the desperation from San Jose might not be where you'd want it to be. If you are looking for and find it funny or are rooting for chaos in the Edmonton Oilers losing to the San Jose Sharks, it would have been great if San Jose came into this game against Edmonton winless because then I, I feel like all bets are off. You, you just never know, and it would have been you know, one of those situations where if, if the Sharks, their first win of the year, comes against the Edmonton Oilers, then that becomes a talking point in and of itself. Um, but all that being said, I, I think it's still kind of funny that at the end of the night tomorrow, like, the, the, the San Jose Sharks and the Edmonton Oilers might have the same number of wins on the year and the same number of points in the standings. Yeah. Edmonton, Unreal. five points, and San Jose, three points going into their encounter this week. And then San Jose has to play Vegas on the back half of a back-to-back. -back. Yeah. Like, um, Igor Shosturkin, questionable for the New York Rangers tomorrow as he uh, battles through uh, a little bit of uh, being banged up, so that's uh, that's a disappointment for for him. But boy, New York Rangers haven't missed a beat. No, they really haven't. They've been playing incredibly well, and they're winning a ton of hockey games. And you know, this is a, a Rangers team that you know it, it was weird because you come into the season, you're not really sure what to expect. You know, they're good, but you you want to see kind of improvement from. Uh, the middle of their lineup, and, and you know they're, they're going to get great goaltending, but Shesterkin's been hurt for a little while now, and yet they continue to pile up the wins. Uh, Jonathan Quick has gone in there and done a nice job. Yeah, He has points in all of his starts, including a shutout, and is 3-0-1 as he gets the uh, live out the dream. That's a dream. He's a Connecticut mm -hmm. guy. Uh, that's a pretty cool situation for, for Jonathan Quick to be able to play. There was a trade today in the National Hockey League. And yep. it, it wasn't one that, uh, that lacked names uh, at all either. Minnesota Wild acquired Zach Bogosian from the, uh, from the Tampa Bay Lightning for Kalen Addison. Uh, and, and they traded Kalen Addison and San Jose Sharks for Adam Raska. Yeah. So it, it's a, it's a three-way deal. Uh, Minnesota gets Zach Bogosian. Uh, uh, they trade Kalen Addison to San Jose and Adam Raska. Uh, gets picked up in that as well yeah the the bogosian name for me to, to minnesota is is you know i i think zach bogosian's uh just one of those hard-nosed defensemen right like he's he's hard to play against he, he can make your life miserable over the course of a game and you know for for the the wild i, I think that they're a team that you know, maybe needs to to lean into uh that kind of a, an identity a little bit more um so, you know, you, you reunite Patrick Maroon with Zach Bogosian or Zach Bogosian with Patrick Maroon, and maybe some uh, something good comes of that for the for the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, a little bit of a veteran presence back, back yeah. there. They lost Matt 
Dumba uh, in the offseason, so uh, looking to settle things down. Uh, I like the acquisition for San Jose. I, yeah. I'm not going to turn them into a, a competitive team from a contention standpoint by any means, but uh, Kalen Addison, and Kalen's been traded a couple of times now. He's traded for Jason Zucker uh, at, after the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins uh, picked him up in, in the draft, and, and now he's off to, to San Jose. Should it get really, really, I mean, the opportunities there for, for Kalen Addison to, to kind of take a step in, in his career, especially with the San Jose Sharks. So, Charlie McAvoy appealed his four-game suspension, and because it was a four-game suspension, the appeal was uh, heard by Gary Bettman. Yeah. Did, didn't go to an independent arbitrator, uh, and Gary Bettman has upheld that, uh, that penalty from the player safety department for the legal check to the head of Florida Panthers defenseman Oliver Ekman Larson. Uh, I would have liked to have been in that hearing or that appeal. Why is that? Well, because I just don't know what would have been <laughs> the the argument basis for it. Like, I know you're always saying it wasn't that bad. Yeah. So the argument is I didn't deserve four. Okay. Like four, four is a big, big suspension. Yeah. That. That to me is the only argument. Like I, I, I think it should be three. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was, it was a bad one. It was yep. a late hit. It was a primary point of contact hit. It, it checked every box for uh, what would lead to a suspension. Yep. But as far as what you might actually say for in your appeal, why I, I'm appealing, it's only. I think I should get three instead of four. Yeah, and and there's. In, in my estimation, like, I listen, go through the appeal process. If it's there to you, take it all day long. But I, I don't see in that circumstance Gary Bettman is going to go against um, it, the, the Department of Player Safety on this one. It, it's as clear as day a, a, an illegal check to the head. Um, it's as, as bad a, a hit as you're going to see in, in terms of that. And uh, I, I'm not surprised in any way that Gary Bettman upheld the four-game suspension. Have you looked at the stats of the National Hockey League lately, like points and goals, and gone down that that avenue. I, I, you know, I I did yesterday, um, and the one thing I mean that jumped out at me is that uh, Quinn and Jack Hughes have the exact same stat line. Yeah, twenty points uh, between them. <laughs> what jumped out at me is Nikita Kucherov tops the National Hockey League in points. Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, yeah he, there you go. He's he's been there before. He is a superstar, but it's, it's been a quiet 22 points for Nikita Kucherov. And may, maybe that's my fault. Maybe it's been plenty noisy enough, and, and I just uh, have, haven't heard it. Uh, Leas Peterson uh, Pedersen is uh, is one point back. Uh, we know uh, what what Austin Matthews is doing with the goal scored with uh, a National Hockey League leading 13. Um, the Hughes brothers uh, putting up big numbers, but, but Kucherov, leading the National Hockey League in points is, uh, is a freshman. When you talk about different players that could possibly win the Art Ross Trophy, which goes yep. to the leading scorer of the National Hockey League yep. uh, every year, and you go, okay, is there, is there five guys? Is it less than five? Is it as many as ten? I'm usually in around five sure. with uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl uh, being first and second One in, and that, in that – regard or can uh, a Marner uh, get in there or a Matthews get in there right now that that five that I have just might be 10 
No. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's true given, and that speaks, I think, as much to, say, a Nikita Kucherov or, or an Elias Pettersson than, than it, it does to Connor McDavid starting off the year um, below his standards, right? I mean, if, if McDavid was doing McDavid things, I don't know that we'd be talking about Nikita Kucherov leading the league right now in, in scoring, but, you know, that that's the case. When you have, you know, maybe a down year or an opportunity to strike at, at an Art Ross, you've got to take it. And right now, Kucherov, Patterson, you know, even Artemi Panarin's right there with 20 points as well. Now, if, if you were going to, nah, I can't, I can't and I don't wager on, on hockey. <laughs> Let me reiterate that. But if you were, if you were going to look at this right now and yeah. the start of the Edmonton Oilers and the fact that Connor McDavid has not lit it up Yet, would wonder what what you would get for a number, and the type of payoff from uh, the, the window and the sports books for Connor McDavid to win the Art hmm. Ross and the scoring title. That's a good question. Would would you take him right now? Yeah, uh, of course. So if I gave Connor McDavid versus the field right now to you. Yeah, I'd, I'd still take Connor McDavid. As as ridiculous as that might sound right now, like we know what he's capable capable of over like a thirty to forty game stretch, right? Like we know how many points he can pile up, and, and once he he gets going, I don't think he's going to slow down at all because you know the Edmonton Oilers can't afford him to. So yeah, I still think that he's the front runner, even though he's not had a Connor McDavid type season to this point. I still think if you can get good value on it, you take that all day long. He's 90th in NHL points. <laughs> 90th. Okay. He's 12 points behind the leader, which is not insurmountable. It's a good three games. He, he can make that up. But he's he's in a drought right now. Two goals and eight assists. He's only got 10 points? Yeah. Oh, boy. He's, 90th. Now he's still a point per game player, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Still, still computes, and and that's been a disastrous start for him. Yeah. But I don't think I've uh, ever seen a sport where, into the season, you would take uh, a past MVP who was like 90th in in any type of statistical category. I know. I know you don't bet. On hockey, because or really anything, but like, would you would you take McDavid yeah. in this hypothetical yeah. situation? Yeah, absolutely, no brainer. Now, I don't know what you might. I don't know what you get for a number, really. Yeah, uh, that that'd be interesting to see if they've revived it or whether it's changed a lot. Yeah, uh, from the start because the, the the payoff wouldn't have been very good at the start, sure, at all. Because I would have taken McDavid, McDavid, McDavid. As my top three picks to win to win the Art Ross and and McDavid and McDavid to win the the uh, Rocket Richard Trophy at the sure. start of the year. Sure, but 90th. That's unreal in NHL point production right now. At, at, at the very top, it's there, there's different players now. It, of, of the players that you might think could continue to challenge, yeah, who would you like? Oh, I, I mean, I'll start right at Nikita Kucherov. I, I mean, he's he's done it before, right? Like this is a, a player that that has won an Art Ross. It's 
Uh, he's been so consistently good at, in, in terms of compiling and, and, and getting points over the course of, of his career. I, I think that if you're looking at you know, a player at, on this list that has the staying power, that has the ability, it, to me it's Kucherov. Yeah, Elias Patterson might be there. Although, so good. I just, I've expected it for a while, and it's yeah. taken a while. Artemi Panarin and the Rangers love to score. Mm -hmm. And if Jack Hughes, I don't know how long he, he's going to be out, uh, whether there's going to be any lingering effects. Uh, I, I don't think that it's quite, he's 99 points last year. Yeah. You're going to need more than that. He should be able to get that. Uh, I don't know. It could be a, a wide open year uh, for for the Art Ross Trophy and, and what comes down uh, for the leading point producer in the National Hockey League. Well, That's shocking. It, it could be, or by, you know, end of end of games tomorrow, we're talking about Connor McDavid right there with Elias Pettersson and Nikita Kucherov because he's playing San Jose. Yeah, uh, Leon Dreisaitl, if you're wondering, uh, former MVP, he is 21st right now in league wow. scoring with 14 points. Only four more points than, than Connor McDavid. That jumps you uh, 70 places. Uh, that's where we are early on in the season. It sounds, it actually sounds <laughs> way worse than it is, which is why I'm going down this path and having some fun with it. Uh, but uh, but Drysaddle and McDavid, we'll see what they are uh, going through this. And, and Jack Campbell being waived mm -hmm. and sent to Bakersfield, this, this is the cruel reality of sports. It happened in the midst of a road trip. Hmm. And I don't know whether he goes straight there and they send him his stuff. Yeah. Like, hopefully he's not going to be down there. He's hoping he's not going to be down there in Bakersfield in the American Hockey League for a long time. Sure. But uh, I don't know how that works in, in the National Hockey League. When you're sent down in the midst of a road trip, all your stuff is in Edmonton. He's a National Hockey League guy. Like He's, he's got his permanent place, all that. Uh, and you, you've got to have clothes and you've got to have uh, different things that you rely on. So he'll be in a hotel for a little bit in Bakersfield and he hopes that he's back into his sure, yeah. his, uh, his place. And he's got a cat. I don't know whether well, he's married or not, but he's got the cat. Well, then he's, he's got to be able to go back home for the cat. Right. I'm sure he was able to go back home. I just thought of that. He's got the cat. <laughs> Yeah. Got to be able to to, to get uh, or or maybe I mean I don't know maybe the cat's like kind of taken care of for the road trip so maybe he's well that would be that would be the case like it would be would have somebody hey. coming in but uh, you don't want to be able to say hey by the way uh, I won't be back for the next uh, next couple of these are the things that you never think of no. when it comes to the reality of no professional sports you're just like oh he's struggling they'll yeah. send him down he'll get his game in order and he'll come back or they'll they'll yeah. they'll trade for a goalie. What about his cat? What about what about the cat? If he if he if he doesn't have a family there uh, to take care of it. Those are your one timers. News and notes from around the National Hockey League. Catching up with Chapman as we continue in Fox Sports Las Vegas. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for catching up with Chapman. Oh, Christopher. Hi, Darren. So, um, not sure. If you are aware, but one of the greatest curses in sports came to an end over the weekend. The Hanshin Tigers of the Japanese Baseball League, they won. I was not aware. Okay, well, I'm going to fill you in now. They won the Japan Series for the first time since 1985. The first, only the second time in their history. They are maybe the most popular team in Japan after the Omiyori Giants, who of course are very famous 
within the country, but they had the curse of Colonel Sanders on them, which was broken when they defeated the Oryx Buffaloes, who they share a region with, the Kansai area of Japan. And the curse was enacted after they won the series in 1985. They had a player named Randy Bass who played for them, and he resembled Colonel Sanders. Bass was a phenomenal player in Japan, multiple records for home runs. RBIC was an MVP in the Japan League. So because he resembled Colonel Sanders, when the team won in 1985, there was a Kentucky Fried Chicken along the river in Osaka. Outside the Kentucky Fried Chicken was a statue of Colonel Sanders. Well, the fans who are known to be the most passionate and probably the drunkest fans in Japan, they don't deny that. They don't hide the fact that they like to, to, to indulge in the alcoholic beverages. They picked up the statue of Colonel Sanders and threw him into the river, thus creating the curse. The team went on a losing streak for 18 consecutive years after they won in 1985. They finally won the pennant again in 2003. They failed. They failed again uh, in 2015. But this time, they won the championship in Game 7. And former Las Vegas aviator Sheldon Noisy had a big three-run home run in that Game 7. Also caught the final out in the Japan Series. So the curse of Colonel Sanders is gone. It's done. Hanshin the team I support went to go see them when I was in Japan the last time. Uh, just, it, it's cool. It's one of those things that, you know, there, there, there's sports all over the world, obviously, and, and sometimes we, we're not aware of, of what transpires in other countries, but Japan, obviously, big, big baseball country. It's the number two sport in Japan after sumo. But finally, the curse of Colonel Sanders is, is no more. The team celebrated this time by having a live person dressed as Colonel Sanders, and they threw him into the river after the victory. So not sure if it's going to result in another curse of Colonel Sanders. But for the time being, Hanshin fans, they play in the city of very close to Kobe, Hyogo Prefecture. Uh, Big, big celebrations. They're probably still partying and still drinking and still singing their songs following the victory. Are you done? Yeah, yeah. So more than I ever wanted to know about that. Well, it's a cool story. It's, 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 Did they ever find the statue? Why didn't they just replace no, the well, statue? Well, because you can't replace a statue and there's a curse. Why? So they, well, they, well, they, they, there's they, no curse if, 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 well, they sent if you divers replace a statue down. right away. Yeah, but you can't replace it. you got to have the original. So they sent divers down there, actually, after a number of years to find the statue. After they, a number of years? Why'd they wait a number of well, years? Well, because they, it, it takes some time for the curse to, to come into place. It's not like it just No, but happens. why didn't it's they just like, replace the statue? Well, because it, the river's dirty, for starters, and no one wants to go in the river. And eventually they did send divers down there. They found most of Colonel Sanders. However, he was missing his left hand. So the story was until his left hand was found and replaced, the curse would not be broken. However, left hand still never found. So I guess it didn't take the, the left hand being found to break the curse. But, yeah, they sent divers down there, actually, to try and find him. And they, they pulled him up, but he was missing uh, his hand. Seriously, they, they didn't just replace the statue. But you can't replace it. You, you have to have the original. You can't replace it. Why? Because it's not the same thing. It, it, it's like the, 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 the Red Sox couldn't just go out and, and replace Babe Ruth with a guy no, who looked like what's Babe a, Ruth. You don't know it's a curse. Well, they, 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 they knew they, it they was. They get rid of the statue, so then they just replace the statue, and then it's all good. I don't, I don't know why they didn't just immediately 
replace the statue. Well, because it's not the same thing. You, you, you can't just put a new statue in its place. You have to have the original. It's KFC. Yeah, There's but... There's a million Colonel Sanders statues in the world. Well, this time around, they actually hid the, the, the statue in a, in a secure location so fans didn't throw him back what, into the What, the recovered river. statue they Yeah, hit? yeah. What, where, where's the recovered He's statue? He's outside the KFC. Oh, so they, they, they just put it back up. <laughs> yeah, so but what, he was like, missing his left hand. Why didn't they just do that at the start? Well, because you had to go down and find him. Which didn't seem like that was a well, big deal. It, it took a while for them to find him. No, they just decided, took a while to decide to look for him. Well, I mean, you, you don't just replace a guy. You can't answer a lot of the questions I have about this story. That's because your questions are ridiculous. I need somebody with more authority in this.